Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Made me think about my family if something were to happen to me. The mortgage, car payments, and all the other bills. Even things like our annual summer vacation would be out of reach. I had heard about life insurance through Ethos and how easy it was to get coverage. They were right. I knew it was time to stop putting it off and get life insurance right now. I got on my computer and went to ethoslife.com. In just 10 minutes, I was covered. And boom, family protected. Thanks to Ethos, my family won't have to worry about the bills if the unpredictable happens to me. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at getethos.com. That's G-E-T-E-T-H-O-S dot com. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Jeffrey, last night was one of those rare nights. You know, those late tips are tough on everyone. The, you know, this is about this is as late as it gets. Nine, the nine thirty yeah. uh, tip last night for Grizzlies Lakers, but it is the way my life is set up these days. It's one of those rare moments where I get to watch the game live. You know, like along with everyone else, unless I'm at the game. Essentially, when when it comes to the Grizzlies, usually I'm having to catch up on DVR. And so I was looking forward to being engaged in, you know, that was the game you picked. <laughs> well, it's just that's it was the first nine thirty tip, it's the first late tip of the year, um, and I was looking forward to you know like you know being you know whether they won or lost you know being you know being engaged in the uh, the social media sphere in real time and be in the mix. Yeah, it wasn't. I I, I stayed quickly. I realized honestly as soon. It was when Marcus Smart got hurt. That was when I was like, "All right, this is I'm not I'm not jumping in this fray tonight." I think I tweeted one thing. I said, "At least 
the Grizzlies had the common decency to let us know early last night. Like, it's okay if you go to sleep. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that was nice. Also, I thought it was nice of the Grizzlies immediately. I feel like that's the fastest we've ever gotten a medical update, like mm-hmm. ruling him out for yeah, the game or whatever. Quick- or maybe he's doubtful. I will say, now, I will say, my I was perked up for a for a second there, like as bad as that game got. For six minutes, I was like, oh well, you know, like, they were hitting shots. Yeah, they, Bane's hitting shots. Beyond, remember Biombo blocked Anthony Davis, and you're like, oh my, what are they? Is this feisty Grizzlies tonight? Are we gonna, you know? And then the whole Santi thing with Anthony Davis happens, and you know, while Santi, I don't know if he, you know, like ultimately, I don't know if he looked great in the whole interaction. Um, I liked that Bane went right up to Anthony Davis and went got right in his. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it was his face, kind of like his chin, because <laughs> of the height difference. Mm-hmm. But like, it was like, oh. Old, maybe the sign of the old grit, you know, the feisty, you know, the feisty trash talking Grizzlies is are they got reemerging? And then and I then like that. and then we see Ja for I think for the first time during a game since this is you know he's been sitting out. I don't tweets. know. Again, I've not kept up. I don't know if that was the first time, but it was the first time I noticed it. Yeah, and so it was like for a second there, it was like, huh? Maybe, you know, maybe, and then it just. You know when it, it it set in one, there was that sequence where Jaron got stuffed like two or three times in a row by Anthony Davis, yeah. and then right yeah. after well, that, and then I, there was like some dribbling off your feet. Like, and then, but then, and then it was, and then Marcus Smart got hurt, and you're like, oh god, the, I for, for those brief five or six minutes of the game, you started thinking optimistically, and then Marcus Smart lands on his ankle to remind you, oh, this just might be a season from hell. Well, and then who got? Was it Kinnard? No, Kennard then got hurt right right after it, right? Well, Kennard, we didn't know we didn't yeah, know Kennard was hurt until, until they came out. They came out from the half. Yeah. They came out from the half, and they announced that he was you know doubtful to return with a sore knee. Um, so things just I mean the reality is things went from things. The result wasn't the bad part last night. A lot of people are focused on the result. And they did get their barn doors beaten off of them a second time. Yeah, but in fairness, we've seen that this year. <laughs> but, like, you know, they they lose by 40 to the Lakers in game six, and they come back last night and get blown out again. But the real – like, I wasn't we, – we talked on the show. Like, we weren't expecting them to win that game last no, night. No, they no, no. already like, they felt like we were playing with house money a little bit because you got the Clippers win. Well, speaking of house money, I owe you a, a raise of the glass. As we were talking about yesterday – who would Jacob Gilliard guard? Mm-hmm. I immediately, I turn that into an opportunity. Mm. If I'm going to sit here and stay up till midnight and watch yeah. this trash, mm-hmm. you're at least going to try to make some money on it. So I went and took D'Angelo Russell because that's who we thought would be on him. Mm-hmm. We thought he would be guarding Russell. Well, we saw Russell guarded Gilliard, but they put Smart on Russell. Mm. And so at first I came out, I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> like Russell hits his first shot and then he didn't score for like another 20 minutes. But I needed over 19 points for mm-hmm. plus money. And thanks be to you. Well, and I'll tell you this. D'Angelo Russell may have stunk against the Grizzlies with the Timberwolves. But since he joined he's the bad, Lakers. He's bad in game two. <laughs> I got in his head. We had we had great seats from Aaliyah's work. And I was just in his head. Let him shoot everything. I was in his kitchen. Well, other than that, he's been pretty good against the Grizzlies since he yeah, joined no, the Lakers. That game six was like the game of his life. Yeah. So, um, well, that's a good segue because it is buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit Wednesday. So we'll, we'll play a little buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit with the Tigers, with the Grizzlies. Um, we'll try to 
we'll try to try to put this all in perspective. It's proper perspective. Mm. May not be pretty, but we're going to put it in its proper perspective. What's going on with the Grizzlies? David Cobb from CBSSports.com will join us at two forty or so. He covers college football and college basketball for CBSSports.com. So perfect time to have him. We have uh, we had the Champions Classic last night. Uh, we have more developments in the Texas A&M stuff. Uh, we had college football playoff rankings, so lots to get to with David Cobb. Uh, Three o'clock or so, we'll get into the list. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Draymond Green. We we should we should you know when I think Draymond Green, I think peacekeeper. Mm, yes. And last night, Jeffrey, he did his best to keep the peace when the Golden State Warriors and Minnesota Timberwolves got kind of locked up, gotten a little fracas at the beginning of their NBA. You mean uh, Draymond Grandi? In-season tournament game. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's amped up. It, we saw it in the Lakers-Grizzlies game. Mm-hmm. We saw it in the Timberwolves. No, no, listen, it's amped up for these Mark, in-season tournament it games. It was just a peaceful protest. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll talk about Draymond Green versus Rudy Gobert, the uh, <laughs> bad guy versus batter guy. <laughs> I don't uh, know. No, that Who was, do you root for? That was definitely heel versus heel. Yeah. Who do you root oh, yes. for in that? I don't know. Uh, we've got some more developments in the Jim Harbaugh saga. John Harbaugh has now spoken up for his brother. Um, I guess we're getting close to the NFL interview season. Well, the, the talk is, Jeffrey, Ravens play Thursday. Maybe as kind of a statement to the, to the Big Ten. If Jim Harbaugh's not allowed... Maybe have John come on the side. Have John be there on the sideline. Week? Well, they play. They play tomorrow. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They mini play buy, tomorrow. Mini buy, yeah. So maybe have John Harbaugh, and they're playing in College Park mm. in Maryland. Have usually usually when they play in Maryland, John Harbaugh isn't just at the game. Jim lets him be like a guest on the sideline. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not coaching, not coaching. But maybe you know, maybe maybe a symbol. There will be rumor is there will be a Harbaugh on the sideline, no matter how that. Court hearing goes on Friday. Tom Crean's available. <laughs> we get Tom Crean too. Uh, also, got some maybe Chip Kelly out at UCLA. Yeah, um, that 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 caught me by surprise. Uh, so I we'll also get... thought that would be bigger news. Yeah, remember how big a deal it was when he became the UCLA he, coach. Remember he he did he was playing them against Florida. Yeah, um, and, and then, then Scott Frost got involved. <laughs> and then we will uh, we'll dive into was the NFL. The fir- no. Desha- that was the earlier coaching. Season. Deshaun Deshaun Watson's going to need, uh, you know, he's going to he's getting season-ending shoulder sh- shoulder is he, surgery. Is he going to relapse? We shall see. And we also we also got tra- ahead of the uh, Eagles Chiefs game. We had the Kelsey brothers podcast is out, so we got we got Travis's thoughts on his uh, foray into Buenos Aires, going international with his relationship with Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll give you the latest updates on that, and then tell your story. But let's start things off. With a little buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey show, where we either buy, buy sell, sell, short, short, or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey. Uh, gross. What? I'm just seeing the Draymond tweets. Oh, he's been tweeting? Yeah. We'll get into it in the list. Um, gross. <laughs> Ugh. 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 Save, save it. Save it. Hold on. Uh, I, I'm going to go read another think piece. <laughs> oh, wait. I can't find one. Um, all right. We're going to kill two birds with one stone with all this right, buy, sell, Go to Reddit. Relating to the basketball scene in, in, in our two most prominent basketball teams in the city of Memphis based off last night's result and sl- the this 
what I would call a disastrous start to the season for the Grizzlies and what has been thus far pretty encouraging start for the Memphis Tigers totally agree. basketball team. Uh, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit, Jeffrey. The Memphis Tigers appearance in uh, the Memphis Tigers will appear in the NCAA tournament and they will be the only team to play postseason basketball this year. I'm buying this. Mm. So you're, as part of buying this, it's two-pronged. It's buying yeah. that the Tigers are going to yeah. be a tournament team, and then it's also buying yeah. that the Grizzlies will not even be a play-in team. Mark, let, let me uh, step into my office, please. Oh, no. So, Am I about to be hit over the head with facts that, that suggest the Grizzlies' season is already the done? The Grizzlies do not have the worst point differential mm. in the entire NBA. Mm. That honor belongs... To the San Antonio Spurs. Who they get on Saturday. Correct. Winnable game. Correct. However, the Grizzlies have the second worst. Mm. But isn't it skewed by last night in the Utah game a little bit? You know, they had two really bad games. The the first Utah game. Point differential is usually a pretty good barometer. It's like how many points do you score versus how many do you give up? (laughs) I know. If it weren't for the San Antonio Spurs being such an outlier, Mm -hmm. they would be last behind the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Like I do not lose to the Wizards. I fully understand that this team will be better mm-hmm. when they add Ja Morant. No duh. But there's this idea that all of a sudden this team's gonna like rip off, like win it like a 700 win percentage clip. It's just not the case. This is not a good basketball team. They do not have outside of Jaron and Dez at this point. They don't have a lot of good basketball players. You know what they've got a lot of? They've got a lot of what would be referred to as 4A basketball players. Last night, LaRavia in the G League, guess what he did? He tore it up. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a lot of guys that would be pretty good in the G League. Well, but got, there's just such a big difference of got, when you come up here. They got a lot of guys, let's just be honest. Like, outside of Jaron and Desmond Bain, they got a lot of guys who, if they are in another team's rotation, they should be like the ninth or tenth man in the rotation. Well, I mean, think about it. And instead, there's some of them are starters. Some of them are your first guys off the bench. <laughs> Kennard is a Grizzly because the Clippers did not have a role for him. Mm-hmm. He was out of the rotation, and they wanted to get something for him. They moved him. The Grizzlies, when Kennard's not in the lineup, there's a panic. They need him. That's yeah. not really a great place to be. No, and, and well, because part of this, I think, is after last night now, it's like, okay, how long is Mark? Like, how bad of an injury is this to Marcus Smart? Are we talking, I think, I, to me, the way it looked, you're looking at a minimum of two weeks. Now, it it was reported he walked out of Crypto.com Arena with a walking boot. No, but, they, showed it on, they, they showed it on the broadcast. But not like, he didn't look terrible. You know, like he wasn't on crutches. He wasn't. No, he, was no, like he, he was in a walking boot. He it was a classic Big Ben. You know, like when Big Ben would just show up out of nowhere and practice with a boot. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was. It, was. it, but it feels like with the way it, minimum two weeks we're looking at, right? I would like I would, I would be surprised, for instance, if he's playing this weekend. I'm a big believer of. Uh, I know we've we've de- we've developed this weird. We've developed this weird reaction if we're watching a game mm-hmm. and you see someone clearly get hurt mm-hmm. we we've now like well don't want to speculate don't 
Listen, we're not speculating. We saw him. My, my guess is his he, reaction. His reaction looked like he was very concerned. My my gut tells me he's at the very least going to miss Thanksgiving week. Like he's going to miss these games coming up through Thanksgiving week. That seems likely. Seems likely. And Kennard, we'll see. Taylor Jenkins said after the game it was more precautionary than anything. And so maybe maybe these three days off they have now between games will help him. Um, but I think the bigger problem that I have is, okay, in your mind, like we all do this move, what is a elite basketball player worth in terms of points? So – that's what I'm gonna. I'm a gonna, point differential. I'm gonna sell this because one, I'm banking on Marcus Smart's injury not being like a month, month and a half thing, like something that keeps him out beyond like John Morant coming back. Like I'm hope I'm hopeful that the this Marcus Smart thing is a sprained ankle that he's back. It's like San, It's like a Santi level sprained ankle, right? That's what I'm hoping for. Okay, where Santi missed two weeks, Marcus Smart missed two weeks. I don't remember Santi ever being in a walking boot, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, And I do think John Moran is going to help a lot. I don't know if you – I think you're right that he's not going to make them like – they're not going to – whereas six months ago or a year ago, we viewed them as like, you know, maybe not the top three, you know, maybe not the top Western Conference contender for an NBA championship. Or to like emerge from the West, but certainly in the discussion, they felt like they were in that log jam at like four through eight, nine. But like n- not even four through eight. It was just like they they looked like one of the five or six teams that could come out yeah, of the West. They were, you know, in my mind, they were clearly behind Denver. And if you wanted to make the case for Phoenix, sure. But they were in like that next tier. And, and my concern is more like when Ja comes back. I don't think they're back in that five or six team mix. They're not even like to me. That's not like. They're not part of that discussion anymore, even when Ja comes back. Mark, if they start – here's the other thing. If they play 500 basketball mm -hmm. with Ja, Mm -hmm. that is over a two-fold improvement from what they've been playing. No, and it probably – if you're in the hole, it looks like they're going to be in when he comes back. 500 basketball is not going to be good enough to make the play. Right, that's my point. Yeah. Um – but I'm still I'm still gonna sell this because ultimately last night was ugly, but like I expected them to lose that game. Like No no, I, I agree. This should not be predicated on the result from last yeah. night. Um but I can see I can see like it is very clear now. Like I just don't think it's obvious they're definitely not gonna make the play in at this point. And like they could still like let's like there is still fifty seven games with Ja Morant. And, you know, if we get all NBA-level Ja Morant, like, that might be enough to lug them into, like, the 9 or 10 seed. Okay, but I guess this is my point. Would you not agree if if a player can all of a sudden double your amount of wins, mm-hmm. that that would be an all-NBA-type player? Mm-hmm. Like, arguably, maybe the best player in the league. Like, that— it, if you just no, sit. he's gonna have to play at that type of level. But Mark, my for point them to is, get out of this hole. That would still be basically playing 500 basketball. Yeah, I mean, yes, but I, I think with John Morant, they've never Mark, been a 500. This team has two wins. I Their know. Wins are against Portland and the still winless Clippers, and they've had Harden. an unheard. Winless. 
they've had an unheard like a lot. There's been there's been some errors that caused it, but they've also had a lot of injuries. I just think I think John Morant will put more again, people are they in turn their proper injuries place. off in the second half. By the way, is Ja going to play all fifty seven? I'm just not. I'm just not ruling it out. I'm not ready to like declare they're not making the play in. I, I think I think I think there's enough there when Ja comes back. Again, prefaced with like. Marcus Smart's injury can't be a major injury. Like, if they're losing Marcus Smart for multiple months, then, yeah, then I, it's going to be, you know, if you're losing another guy, if you will. Um, but I'm still, I'm not, I'm not giving up on the play-in yet. You know, they're 2-9, and nine, and they're probably going to be, like, at best, like, 6, honestly, like, 6-19 and 19 when Ja comes back, it feels like at this point, right? Like, something like that. If they get to 7 or 8, it's like, Holy hell! They did. They they really turned this sucker around well, a little bit. Right now, you know what I think their path to winning games is. Like their path is have teams just not show up. Like take them lightly, yeah, not show guys up, guys not play. Correct. Yeah. No, and like you know, like Saturday's game, in terms of this season, the grand scheme, far more important than last night's game. Like, oh yes, beating San Antonio no, when you, you have, have when Boston you, waiting for you. Yeah. Um, like that, because if you don't beat San Antonio on Saturday, you're suddenly looking at a scenario where you could be like, you could be like two and fourteen coming out of Thanksgiving week, three and thirteen if even if you beat San Antonio, because after San Antonio you got Boston on the second night of a back to back. That's going to be very difficult. Um, you already even at full strength you struggled with Boston. Now you're you're on the second night of a back to back, and oh by the way that first game was on the road, so it's not like you're even at home. And now you don't have Marcus Smart. You don't have that emotional boost of him playing against his old team, probably. Um, then Wednesday, you're going at Houston, who's playing well and, frankly, I think is going to be jacked up on behalf of Dylan Brooks to beat the Grizzlies. Wouldn't you agree? On Wednesday night, yeah. Like you're not going to get. You're not going to sneak up on the Rockets, for instance. Like they're going to be amped. They're going to play hard in that game. I. I th- I think so, but like at a certain point, like I, I don't know. Maybe these, like, maybe everyone just like views this yeah, as a night. Dylan's first game, but now that could play. You know, maybe we could get like a twenty-five shot night from Dylan trying to prove a point. You know, like a six of twenty-five night from Dylan or something, something kooky like that. Maybe that works in their favor. Then you get the Suns, who are about to be full strength on Friday, a week from Friday, and then the Timberwolves, who look pretty darn good um, on Sunday. And so it's 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 tough sled. Now that game last night, I will say, felt a lot of a lot of symbolic moments that weren't like again, if you're if you're like a narrative guy, you know, just wasn't good karma, you know, like going back there after losing like literally your last two games against the Lakers have been like completely embarrassing type of I mean you can situations. Th- three of the last four. Yeah, really, because if you count game three as well from that playoff series. But you had, you know, you had the Jaron getting blocked multiple times by Anthony Davis and just getting outclassed by him in that game again, just like he did in the playoff series. I mean, again, that's not like a that's not like a insult to Jaron. It's just the reality of as good as he was last year, as good as he profiles to be as he is, he's still not at that top level of his position like he's just not. Yeah, I also think though, it's a bad matchup. Like, mm-hmm. but because, it, yeah, like in the end, like he's like ultimately Jaron. Like for this team to really reach its ceiling long term, like you need Jaron to be winning those types of matchups. 
Yeah, but I mean, like to me, it's like I still think. Now we don't need to worry about that, right? Like that's a that's that's again. I know some people have been critical of Jaron. He's been bad the last two games. I just kind of look at it as two bad games for him, not like some big picture. Oh my god, like he's not as good as we thought he was. Like it's two bad games. He played well, two bad games. Like you also have to look at it this way. It's like look, everyone's focusing on him. They look at what they're doing. Like if you really want to critique Jaron, what this stretch has shown, he needs to get a lot better at passing out of double teams. Like he's not good at it. And I also think I thought he was going to be better with the ball in his hands this year. Well, and that's yeah, it's con- he's he's and maybe taking trying people to do off too the much. dribble yeah. more. And I'd like to see him go in the post more, but maybe they're avoiding him in the post more because teams are just going to double yeah. him right now with what the Grizzlies have. And so again, it's another thing that maybe gets a little. It gets easier when Ja comes back. There can't be as much attention on Jaron when Ja is out on the court. Um, and then obviously. Um, you had the Marcus Smart injury, and then I I wrote down a note. Um, I thought uh, I thought Desmond Bain's face. They showed his face at one point right after the injury happened, and it was the face of like, "Are you effing kidding me?" Like you know, it was like a face of frustrate, like a face of like, "Are you uh, another thing?" Like it was no, like I mean, a face were, of frustration. There was. I took note of that when Smart's down and pounding the floor. Mm-hmm. There was like a you could hear the you could hear the my horror was music. Like, my little thought from hell. was like this is like is this just the season from hell? Is that what this is? That was what I was thinking as I'm watching Marcus Smart on the ground. And I think the bigger question though is this is my this has always been my fear. There is no question the Grizzlies have gotten a bad hand. Mm-hmm. Now, what my fear is this hand mm-hmm. is going to kind of give them cover and give them not address what needs correct. to be addressed. Like you you don't actually there were there are legitimate yes. yes. Two things are gonna be true. Correct. You have been dealt a bad hand horrific. by these injuries. Yes. A and horrific you still hand. have red flags. But you have also, whether it's the jaw stuff or it's the wings that you drafted or it's how you handled the big man situation, there are also things where you have exacerbated yes. your bad luck. Yes. Um, and I, st- but I would still lean towards this is more just I guess, I guess the result is, of terrible injury luck. Ultimately, I'm with you, but this is something that also annoys me. The common refrain is, "Well, they don't have three of their top six. Mm-hmm. Well, you knew you weren't going to have one for 25 games. Oh well, Brandon Excuse Clark. Me. You knew you weren't going to have Brandon Clark. You, yes, at least at till the after minimum, the All Star break. You should have been. I, I, you can debate everything. It seems very obvious to me. You should have been prepared to not have Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. Better prepared. Correct. Yes. And as Harrington pointed out this morning, like he wasn't even playing back-to-backs in preseason. Mm-hmm. So what was the expectation going to be? Now, during- again, it does feel like they've lucked out with the Beyond. Like the Beyondbo no, thing has... I, like- I'm with you. But my point is like everyone mm-hmm. keeps doing this move of... Well, you knew you weren't going to have job for 25 games regardless. Mm-hmm. You knew you weren't going to have Brandon Clark, and you should have known that you weren't going to have Steven Adams, or it was an entire possibility, and they did nothing about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you look last night, I thought it was interesting, and this gets into our next Buy So Short or Good Reddit. So you have the skirmish with Santi and Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. and it morphs into – Desmond Bain getting in Anthony Davis's face, and then I thought, what? What in yes. another era? Yeah, chess, whatever. In another era, 
I thought D'Angelo Russell pulled a great, really a vet move, a vet shove of Desmond Bain. And if there was an instant replay, he wouldn't have, like, it was, he was, gra- in, he simultaneously grabbed Anthony Davis to pull him away, peacemaker, if you will. And then as he was doing it, like, kind of simultaneously gave Desmond Bain a healthy shove. Not, yeah, a little twofer. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, well done, D'Angelo Russell. And then obviously they did the replay and it was like. Yeah, he didn't get away with it. <laughs> he yeah. didn't get away with it. But that. I did like them having to do math. And like you had to like do two columns. It's like the Lakers got three texts, but the Grizzlies got no, the four. Gri- the Grizzlies got three and yeah. the Lakers got two. Yeah. That's how it was. It was. It was. Well, I thought it was originally double text. Well, it's like and then Davis two- and Russell got text. And then Bain, uh, Santi, and, and Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins got yeah. text. Um, and you just, Taylor Jenkins was like, he was just, <laughs> what the f? Like, yeah. It was like, just like, but that I bring it up because I think that is what ultimately pulled John Morant out of social media hibernation, at least in-game social media hibernation, because. As we said earlier, I'm not sure I can recall. I don't think he's tweeted during a game before last night, during these games that he's been sitting at. I don't know if that's 100% true. It's the first time I've noticed it. Yes. And so um, he comes out of his hibernation. It felt like, again, when Dez got – it was like in reaction to that whole skirmish issue, if you will, and he tweeted out, I believe it was like a a bear emoji, like a Grizzlies emoji. and um, then later on in the game, as it was kind of deteriorating, uh, we or I know it was more like the third quarter when it had deteriorated. We got a hourglass, you know, like a hourglass emoji, like coming back soon. And so I ask you this: this was this was your suggestion as a buy sell short or go to Reddit, and I think it's interesting. I hadn't heard this necessarily, but you said you heard a little rumblings of this. Buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit. It was tone deaf for John Morant to tweet during that game. I'm going to buy it. Mm, Really? But it's not in the fashion that you think. Okay. I don't necessarily think it was tone deaf for fans. Mm -hmm. I think it was tone deaf to your teammates. Mm. Like, in the end, they're going through. You're basically, with the the hourglass thing, you're implying I'm coming to the rescue when the reality is. You're coming to the rescue because you caused right, all that. Right, in a mess that you made. Like, yeah. this isn't coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, this is <clears throat> this is no different than when your beloved Wolverines mm-hmm. came out on the first play of the year in that Jim Harbaugh single-line, 11-man formation and put their fours up. Like, it, it's just, it's very, it's very disrespectful to your teammates. And again, they it's their relationship. Like, they know, but... They're in this mess because of that. Mm-hmm. It's not because, like, a string of bad luck or an injury. Like, it's mm-hmm. like they're having to sit there and take all these L's and have to sit here and listen to us critique and criticize largely because you're not there. So I think I'm going to sell this because <laughs> I, I think this. Ultimately, part of the problem for this team and this franchise right now is they're, like, kind of rudderless. Because ultimately, this whole thing was set up, especially over Jaws' first three years, for him to be the leader. Like, the leader in the locker room, the leader in the community, the leader, you know, the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, yes, it's three uh, the trio of Ja, Dez, and Jaron. But it's supposed to be Ja featured on the billboard. It's supposed to be Ja in the commercials. It's supposed to be 
Ja as the and like one of the things we talked about on the show all the time. Like one of the reasons that like especially again those first two three years like. I liked John ja Morant more than say like Trey Young or whoever. Yeah, like absolutely. it felt like he had these natural leadership tendencies to him. Well, and I think he impacts winning more than they do. Yeah, and um, and I think part of the problem for the Grizzlies right now is really since halfway through last year, Ja when he's been around has been a bad leader. I wrote that in a column during the playoffs. He got pissed about it, but it's just the truth. Or he hasn't been around. How's that column looking now? <laughs> and I appreciate the other night, for instance, I believe it was the the Jazz game the other night when Jacob Gilliard got his first start and he was up on the podium. If you watch the press conference, he kind of gave this little anecdote about how, you know, both, um, I think it was Derek Rose, he like passed up a shot in one of his earlier appearances mm-hmm. in a game and both Derek Rose and Ja like got on him like, no, you cannot pass up that shot. Like you, you know, like if you're open in the NBA and they're leaving you open like that, you, gotta you either got to knock, you got to take that shot, be able to knock it down, or you're not going to play. Like you can't yeah. play. And it's very clear. And he like talked about it as he like took it to heart. You know, it was like impactful to him to hear those two guys saying that to him. And we've seen like he has not been passing up those shots. And he's frankly like other than right now, other than Desmond Bain. I don't know if there's a like I don't know if there's anyone who when the ball leaves their hand I feel like more like well I think that one might go in maybe Canard Canard probably I would I would still rather have Bain and Canard shoot Do you agree with me that Santi's stat line last night was better than with the actual game we watched Well it was it was a lot like his game six performance in the playoff Remember game empty, six yeah. he like led the team in scoring had like you know twenty points or whatever and it was like. Yeah, but like most of the points did not impact the result whatsoever. Like, and a lot of those points, the other, you know, last night, you know, like he had the three early where it like hit every part of the rim yeah, and went in and went in, and that I guess. Yeah, but like a lot of his damage was done when that game was was done, basically. And frankly, I think if you look at the other angle, like at first when I watched the whole thing with Anthony Davis, when you watched it from the angle Bally Sports Southeast had, it looked like Davis instigated, but if you look at it from, there was like an angle from like a fan who was sitting on the sideline. Yeah. If you look at it from that angle, like Santi was just as much like they, but it, it was right to call a double technical. Like he, like he, he like, I, I, I just didn't have wrong. Like yeah. Anthony Davis doesn't really have a history of being like, yeah. And, but like, I, I do think he like riled up Anthony Davis <laughs> last night. Like ultimately, I mean, we, we want to talk, go back to like other depressing things about last night. The Jackson Hayes dunk off the missed free that throw. Was that was a bad, that look. was tough. He didn't, he wasn't, it wasn't even like he thought he was missing the free throw and came charging in and got the ball. It was like, he missed the free throw, waited a second, was like, oh, no one's grabbing this. And like, when, it was like terrible. It also was, it was one of the more impressive pieces of officiating because I think the official anticipated Jenkins calling a timeout right after that because it was like <laughs> goes, it, was, oh, this is bad. Like, it was like as soon as the ball went through like they were like waving timeout like it was just like it was, they need they need yeah. to take a break yeah, they, here. like even if yeah even if you didn't ask for it we're but, just we're gonna give you one but back to my original point is like at least it feels like the reason why I'm selling it is like I want to see John Morant become the leader of this franchise again. And I was in, I liked the anecdote from Jacob Gilliard. And while maybe given his history on social media, it's probably, you know, he should maybe, you know, 
he should be careful wading back into these waters. I took it as him trying to be encouraging towards his teammates and trying to, you know, help in a diff- I thought is I I thought it was him whether it was helpful or not. I think it was coming from the place of I'm trying to be helpful in he, a tough time. I don't think he had bad intentions. Yeah. I so, just also like cuz I I think ultimately like as great as it is that Dez is stepping up as a leader and you got smart and you got Derrick Rose to help the locker room like this thing is only going to work at the peak of its powers if John ja Morant is leading this team like leading it emotionally and if that, on the court all that and if and, that wasn't obvious it is certainly obvious now all right we got to take a quick break when we come back let's talk some college football maybe some college hoops with David Cobb of CBS Sports. We'll do that next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. ESPN. Drink responsibly. E21. Giannotto and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the next generation 10G network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannotto and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN. David Cobb writes about college football and college basketball for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter on X at David W. Cobb. Cobb, dealer's choice. You want to do some coaching carousel? You want to talk playoffs? Oh, we got to go coaching carousel. Hell yeah! Who cares about the playoffs? You picked you picked the right answer. All right, so let's let's start with A and M. I think this is kind of the. Do you believe that when they made the decision to move on from Jimbo, that they had someone in mind already? You would think so, given the timing of it, because they had their mind made up prior to the. 10th game of the season at a point in time where Jimbo Fisher could very well still post a record that was in line with every record he's posted uh, during his tenure. So, 
you would think, right, that, that maybe they already had it lined up. And if so, if that's the case, then it's got to be Elko, right? I mean, because he's the one they know. He's the one that's been rumored all along. Whereas if it's just somebody else who's in this rumor cycle, I don't know that, that they'd be that far along with them. So, I mean, if that was the case, then I feel like Mike Elko is the move. But uh, it's Texas A&M. Those boosters are wild. It's also quite possible that they have no plan whatsoever, and they're just going to go out um, and, and just try to swing for the fences. You know, though, I was trying to think back. Obviously, when Scott Woodward was there, he's now the AD at LSU. Woodward's philosophy is always just, like, hit the biggest home run you can. Like, go go and try to get the biggest name that you can. Like, I was thinking back before that, like, so Kevin Sumlin was at Houston. It was a, it was a, it was a hot G5 name, but it wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't hitting the biggest home run you could hit. Before that, was it, was it the Shermanator? Mike Sherman? Yeah, they, yeah they, so they don't necessarily have a legendary track record. I mean, Jimbo was a big time hire, but... And then I guess they took Francione from Bama, but Francione was upset with Bama because he thought they lied to him when he came over from TCU. But it's not like, like it's almost like because of the Jimbo hire and when Woodward was there, he kind of went splashy that everyone thinks that they're going to try and like swing for the fence, but that really hasn't been their history. Yeah, but the money controls so much of it there. I think probably even more so than almost anywhere else in the country, maybe aside from Texas. Texas A&M is, is a booster-driven program. And Ross Buick, while I'm sure he has a say in all this. Oh, no, I, I'm with you. I, Ross, Ross is not making this hire. Right. And so it's, it's a, ultimately going to be what, what does that booster group want? What, what, are, what are they? Are they – dreaming of Deion Sanders uh, waltzing back to Texas with cowboy boots on, right? Like, what, like what's going through their minds? Because they're the ones who had to come up with the money to fire Jimbo. And so, hey, uh, what, what do they want? I don't know. I think they should probably want a good football coach. I, I, I don't think recruiting has to be the, uh, the, key, the key driver anymore in this era because the NIL money and the resources and the facilities and all that, they recruit themselves. You just need a, a competent football coach in there. And what was – clearly evident upon Jimbo Fisher's arrival is that he, he lost his touch. Much like we see Chip Kelly losing his touch at UCLA. These guys who were offensive masterminds in the early 2000s, they aren't offensive masterminds anymore. The game has passed them by. And so you need somebody with a scheme and with a philosophy. Forget about the track record. Give, give, give me somebody who's done something in the last three to five years. Um, and bring them in to, to coach at Texas A&M and let the recruiting take care of itself. You can go out and get your players from the portal. You don't, you don't need the, the, to beat Alabama and Georgia in the high school recruiting stuff. Half those guys leave after their freshman year anyway. So, so go get me a guy who can actually coach some ball, uh, even if he's not splashy, even if he's not spectacular. So the thing that was a little interesting to me, because you mentioned it right there with Chip Kelly, reports yesterday surfaced, and these are not message board rumors. Like, one of them, I believe, was it the L.A. Times guy or was it the Athletic guy? Well, one of the guys that reported Chip Kelly's likely to be out at the end of the season, like it was not, you know, a hot take artist. Like I, I considered it to be a, a news person. I don't feel like that. Yeah. I don't feel like that resonated at all. And like that kind of took me by surprise. Well, I, th- I think it was a little flimsy, <laughs> uh, the reporting on it. I mean, I, I don't want to say it was. Yeah, no, uh, it, it wasn't like he's been fired. It. it I thought the guy wrote it in a way that protected him, but in the same in the same fashion, like 
I thought he was writing like he's getting fired. I'll tell, I'll tell you this, Jeffrey. So last night while I'm watching uh, – well, at halftime of Kansas and Kentucky in the Champions Classic, uh, I started working up my Chip Kelly is fired pre-write yeah. for Sunday. Because if they lose to USC, and I'm on this Sunday, so I missed this last Sunday's insanity – uh, but but I, I, I my turn is coming this Sunday, and uh, so I went ahead and pre-wrote Chip Kelly. And my takeaway as I went through the archives there was that when he was the offensive coordinator and head coach at Oregon, he ran something innovative, something that college football was not used to, something that required the entire sport to adjust. Well, now the substitution rules have changed. Linebackers are are smaller and faster than they were 15, 20 years ago when Chip Kelly made his money. And, oh, the game has passed him by to a certain extent. So I feel it's a similar situation with Jimbo. I mean, he was great when he had great quarterbacks, but look at the quarterbacks he had at Texas A&M. They weren't great. And so uh, that's, I think, ultimately what his downfall was. And I I think they need to go young. I think they need some some authenticity, some energy, uh, somebody with a real real scheme that can actually go in there and, and, and build that program back up. I think also you see with Kelly, like, I, I don't think it's bad scheme. It's to your point. It's but it's not unique anymore. You know, people are you know seventy percent of college is running some version of kind of of what he's doing. But I think the other thing that really stood out to me at UCLA, it's like you start to realize, like, okay, Oregon isn't the best job in the country, but it's a pretty darn good one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you get really good players. At Oregon, and we're seeing that, and it's like at UCLA. Well, does that job change? Do either of those jobs change now that they're going? I mean, they're, they're going to be Big Ten jobs next year. Mm-hmm. I think the UCLA, yeah, what do UCLA think they're going to do. Like, I think the like, UCLA job gets worse, but I I yeah. think Oregon, honestly, of the four schools that are going to the Big Ten, the one that I've got the most faith in to to compete at the you know the highest levels, Oregon. Yeah, because Oregon on the lines of scrimmage, Oregon on the lines of scrimmage looks like a, a like a legitimate team. Yeah, no doubt. And, gosh, Dan Lanning has been forceful about the fact that he's staying at Oregon to the point where, like, I actually believe him, uh, which is I, I, I'm with you because, uh, like, yet, that was Calkins' question to me yesterday. It was like, believe it or not. And it's like, normally when I hear that, I roll my eyes. I believe Dan Lanning. I'm with you. I do. I do too, man. And to think about how great that, that Memphis staff was five or six years ago. I just it's can't crazy. get over it sometimes. It's I mean, crazy. They had Norvell as the head coach. You yeah. had – Kenny Dill- the- at one point, Kenny Dillingham was technically the OC, even though Mike was still calling plays. Kenny he- was the Norvell clone. Yes. Then you had, I mean, Silverfield was the O-line coach slash assistant head coach. Dan Lanning was the linebackers coach slash recruiting coordinator. You had Will Hall was the tight ends coach, the Southern Miss head coach. Um, right. Scott Simons, who's yeah. now the defensive coordinator for SMU this week, was on that staff for a year or two. Um, the coach at was North, North Arizona. Uh, yeah, Lam- yeah, yeah. Lambo, Lam- no, well, Pete Lembo was yeah. on the staff. I don't know if he was on the staff at the same time as Lanning, but um, you had Pete Lembo, former Ball State head coach. Now the I think he's at South Carolina. I think the special yeah, I think teams coordinator. Right. But yes, Chris uh, Ball, the Chris defensive Ball, yeah. coordinator, is now the Northern Arizona head coach. Although that was one of those. Uh, that was uh, thank you, uh, yeah. Northern Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> now Mike doesn't have to fire yes, him type exactly. of deals. Um, but. Yeah, it was a it was a loaded st- it was a loaded staff Norvell had. Along those same our- lines, though, Cobb, what would you do if you're Mississippi State? Because I think that I think that it's a very, I think they're in an interesting spot because I think 
you know, I, I, I think they made the right call on Arnett. I would still say yeah. they shouldn't have hired him in the first place, but I, I applaud them for not sticking it out for the sake of sticking it out. Like, it was obvious right now it wasn't working. Pull the plug. I applaud them on that. It still feels like maybe a little bit of an identity crisis. Like, I, what, what, do you, what would you do if you were Mississippi State right now? Well, either go back to the air raid because Arnett moved away from the air raid, even though he had an air raid roster. And then, if, it, if not that, if you don't want to go air raid, then bring in Jamie Chadwell because Jamie Chadwell runs a unique option-oriented style that is difficult to prepare for that has not been widely replicated in, across college football. And I think that makes so much more sense than trying to go get Glenn Schumann the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Because what's the blueprint that Glenn Schumann knows or that Mississippi State fans would want him to run? Oh, yeah, be the next Kirby Smart, a good coordinator who uh, gets his own program and builds a beast. You can't do that at Mississippi State. So you need somebody who's unique, who's difficult to prepare for. I can't stand it when people say, Jamie Chadwell's never, never coached in the Power Five before. Well, you know who else had never coached in the Power Five before? Urban Meyer. Hugh Freeze. Uh, Urban Meyer. The list goes on. Two that come to mind right there who went on to do excellent things. I mean, in Hugh's case, he had been at, at Briarcrest and Lambeth and did one year at Arkansas State, right? And then he gets uh, – He was the coordinator gets, at Arkansas State, then he might have uh, stabbed, stabbed old Roberts in the back. I mean, right. And so it's like, well, who cares that he's never been a Power 5 coach before? He's now done it for you at Liberty, too. But how about this? Uh, Liberty pays Chadwell a million dollars more per year I know. than what uh, than what Zach Arnett made this year. That, that, that blew my mind when I found that out. Well, the other thing I like about Chadwell, A, he's also got some Mississippi ties. He was Delta State's coach for one year. Mm. Wasn't super how successful. Wasn't super successful, but uh, he he was there. definitely in the same recruiting pool at Delta State. But it also <laughs> it also doesn't strike me as the offense is quarterback dependent. Like we know, Grayson McCall's a, a, a poor guy got got absolutely filleted in the year. But you know, we see it at Liberty like they're still putting up they're still putting up the same numbers. It's not it's not you got to have a certain type of quarterback. It seems like it, he can figure it out. I'm with you. I, I think that makes the most sense. I do think that that's an interesting question, though, that you point both, out. Both Michigan State and Mississippi State strike me as being in similar situations in that, yeah, you might be able to get the money to go try and get some guy who's going to make a splash, but I don't know if that's the right move for you at this moment. Both of oh, them are in the same – like like Michigan State, like they're going to overthink this and not go hire the Toledo coach, but that's what they should do. They should go hire the Toledo coach. God, do you have the candle, Gene? I, then, no, I mean, I, I just don't trust Mac head coaches. I just mm. feel like that's that's a tough sell. But they're going to overthink it and get someone else. They're not going to go get the Toledo coach. I know this. Well, here, gamblers, yeah. gamblers are not a Jason Candle fan. Mm. Gotcha. Well, I'll say this: if, if Texas A and M gets cute and Texas A and M overthinks it and tries to go for the splashy hire, and they leave Jeff Trailer available, Michigan State should go hire Jeff Trailer because to me. He's kind of like a program builder. He's kind of somebody who can – I know he doesn't have the ties up there like he does in the state of Texas, but he's kind of – he could do for Michigan State what I think like what uh, Chris Kleiman has done at Kansas State or what Lance Leipold has done at Kansas. He's just a good coach, right? And so I think, I think sometimes we overthink these hires. We put too much on the, on the headline, on the name, on the buzz, on the ability to immediately sell season tickets based off the, off the name and off the resume when sometimes there's just good coaches sitting there right in front of you who – uh, you you don't consider because uh, they haven't 
coached at, at a certain brand or whatever, and I, I think that's silly. So another name that's obviously generating some buzz right now is Rhett Lashley because of what of, about uh, Willie Fritz? Willie Fritz out now? Is he like is he like he turned down? He wouldn't take the he didn't take the Georgia Tech job last year because I guess the money wasn't quite right, the resources weren't cut quite right, but the guy just keeps winning it too late. I know he's older. But that's another one that strikes I mean, me as like he's kind of right there for Mississippi State, and like they're going to overthink it and not, not hire him. Yeah, the entire top third of the AAC is you know kind of under consideration right now. I mean, I, I think Fritz has been—I've I've heard his name mentioned with association to uh, to Mississippi State. Um, yeah, Rhett Lashley's one I hadn't thought about or really heard about. Well, because honestly, though, Mark and I were talking about this. This is not meant to be like I know State fans were like, "This is an Ole Miss guy saying this." I think I'd rather have the SMU job being the one Texas school in the ACC than trying to go do it from the ground up at Mississippi State. Because while SMU's roster is not ready, like they're not going to go toe-to-toe with Florida State, in the, in the level that they're going to be expected to compete, they're going to be just fine. They can go seven and five. Yeah, in the ACC. They, they can be. They can go, be, they can go, into, they can go play Virginia Tech w- and win a game. They adjacent. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. But uh, yeah, Georgia no, Tech adjacent, like I and we've already seen ever since they've been announced in the ACC. So you don't think this is gonna for them? You don't think it's gonna be? I mean, like we watched UCF, Houston, and um, I think that they're Cincinnati really struggle in the Big Twelve. Again, I'm not saying they are going to compete for the ACC, but, but what, those teams have been like bottom of the barrel in the Big Twelve. I think this what year. we're seeing in the Big Twelve is the Big Twelves. Maybe they don't compete at the highest end of the sport, but they're all pretty good football teams. Mm-hmm. What we see in the ACC, and Cobb, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the, the second half of the ACC is just not all that, compa- all that competitive uh, at all. Well, Lashley could take SMU and be beating Virginia and Boston College yeah. tomorrow and Virginia Tech and, and, and on down the list. Yeah, so I think it would be easier to win in the ACC at SMU. I mean, look how quickly Elko got it turned around. Absolutely. That's that's phenomenal. That's why you should be under consideration for Texas A&M. So, yeah, I get that. I, I feel like SMU and the ACC, you're going to have a better record if you're a good coach than you will at Mississippi State in the SEC. I mean, we, Mississippi State fans just have to understand, and, and so do a lot of other fan bases in the, in the league, that life just gets more difficult now. Uh, maybe you can argue, maybe you can argue that for the SEC West teams, uh, there will be a bit more refuge or cushion now, right? Because you'll get some of those East teams a little bit more frequently. But all the, by and large, I don't think Mississippi State's outlook improves uh, by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, Texas coming to the conference, and you know, it's like State and Ole Miss. Like you know, Ole Miss is East, rest in peace the Vanderbilt series. I mean, I will remember you, but it's like State's always got Kentucky, and you know, it's yes, you're 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 getting out of the West, but you're also adding Texas and Oklahoma, and then also. If you lose, if they go to a nine, whenever whenever they finally go to the nine-game conference schedule and you've only got three non-cons, like, that job gets really, really harder and harder. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 